Hey, Shrav, have you seen those Bernie Sanders in the chair memes? Oh, yeah, they're pretty funny, actually, and they're all over tennis Twitter, too. I saw one that Judy Murray posted with him and Andy. Peak comedy. You know where I think would be the perfect location? Where? On the Zoom recording this episode, introducing Bernie Sanders. Yeah, no, I was just kidding. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. Welcome to another episode of Hold On To Your Racket. Today is January 21st, and before we get you guys updated on what's been going on this week, we need to get updated on each other's week. So how's your week been going, Shravya? I mean, as if we aren't texting each other constantly, I'll give you an update on my week anyway. Well, I don't remember which day of the week it was, but um, I woke up at uh, 6 in the morning one day, and... I had I had Zoom school that day, so I didn't need to wake up till you know a decent amount of time later. The reason I woke up at six in the morning, well, you see, it was to watch the one and only Matteo Berrettini on Instagram Live, uh, and unfortunately, when I logged on the Instagram Live, I was there right away. I was there before Matteo was even there <laughs> because it was like an interview with GQ magazine. I was there before he he was even there, and I saw him join on. It was a good start to the morning, except then the entire interview was in Italian, so I just didn't understand any of it. Okay, but, like, at least it's one of the few languages that we don't understand, but we've got everything, pretty much everything else covered. Pretty much. Multilingual podcast duo. Anyways, this episode, as you can tell by our title, Quarantine, is an update on all of the quarantine tea in Australia at the moment. So as you know, we talked about this a little bit in our previous episode. The players have arrived in Australia. They're quarantining before the pre-Australian Open tournaments, so the Melbourne tournaments, the ATP Cup, the Adelaide Exhibition, and then after that, obviously, the Australian Open. We're going to dive into that. Um, But first, we did want to cover some heartbreaking news so we talked to you guys in our last episode about sloan stevens um losing her aunt and her grandmother recently on january 19th so two days from when we're recording right now she also lost her grandfather so she has lost three of her close family members in such a short period of time she's all the way in australia in quarantine i mean i we can't imagine how much grief she's going through right now so we sincerely send all of our love and support to her and her family at this moment yeah completely agreed like all that from hold on to your racket podcast so next up we have some more news this time having to do with the quarantine this is about the hard quarantine that 70 more than 70 players have to kind of attend that's not the right word but we're gonna adhere to exactly So these are players deemed to be in close contact with the individuals who tested positive on the flights. So notable players in hard quarantine are Sophia Kennan, Victoria Zarenka, Kenny Shikori, Sloane Stevens, and Angelique Kerber. So what is hard quarantine? This means that these 
players have to quarantine for 14 days and they cannot leave their hotel room. So they're not allowed the five hours of practice time per day that the other players or the ones that they would be allowed if they hadn't been in the hard quarantine. Yeah, so players had a bunch of reactions to this. Um, And remember, and yeah, we're going to dig into that in just a bit because there was a huge amount of backlash. There was a huge amount of debate um lots of drama but anyway just remember that even being allowed into australia at this point a country where there were who <laughs> josephina just did a weird yawn so i laughed sorry <laughs> anyway so even being allowed be, being allowed into australia at this point is a huge privilege like that country has gotten covid under control they're risking a lot by holding this event and allowing the players to come in so regular people who are entering the country, Australians who are entering the country, they have to quarantine in a hotel room for a full 14 days. The players, however, already have special privileges to travel to Australia in the first place, but also for those five hours of practice. So losing those five hours of practice, that already was a huge privilege that they were getting. And yeah, it's tough. Like, I totally understand where some where these players are coming from. Like, to be preparing for a Grand Slam and not being able to practice for these two weeks is really difficult. But, I mean, some of the reactions were really coming from, I guess, like, very tone-deaf perspectives from some of the players. And I think, like, sometimes, I think tennis fans were kind of agreeing that some of the players kind of had to check their privilege a bit. Not all of them. You know, it was a mix of reactions, as we said. But the key thing to take away from here is that many of the players who are in hard quarantine said that they were not informed about this possibility of having no practice and being put in this hard quarantine in the case that they would be deemed to be in close contact with someone with the virus. And they also said that it's not possible to compete after 14 days of no practice. So as you can see, these players are disgruntled. Um, some of them, and they're, some of them are also saying that they weren't informed about this, but we're also going to unpack that in just a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of he said, she said kind of drama, because some players are saying something, and then other players are saying something that completely opposes that, and both seem as if they're players who would have, like, opinions that people would respect, so it's all just super confusing. And also, the drama isn't just with the players in hard quarantine. The players in normal quarantine and the players in hard quarantine have also been complaining about the food. Let me remind you, these people are getting three meals a day for free at this hotel. Um, And on top of that, they're getting an additional $100 per day from the Australian Open or from Tennis Australia that they can spend on ordering in food, in addition to those three free meals per day. So a bunch of players have been, like, taking pictures of their food and, like, posting it on social media, like, with their reactions to it. And I don't know. It just it just rubs me in the wrong way. So one of the players, Australian tennis player Arena Rodionova, said, If $100 per day isn't enough for you all, I can say you might want to rethink your diet. If it's not enough for them, they might want to dip into a 100k minimum check where they are about to get or maybe sell a Louis Vuitton bag to afford some smashed avocado. I don't know. But she's so, so right. right. I mean, okay, <laughs> let's talk about one person here. Benoit Pair, who ordered McDonald's to his room. I'm sure that was like a $5 meal. Come on. And then he could save that money for later for other things. I think this is a pretty good deal, and I do not understand whatsoever 
what the complaints are about. Like, I can see why players would be upset about quarantining, like, kind of the conditions of it, not the reason for it. But the food, come on, like, $100 a day plus three meals? I don't understand. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, the complaints about the quarantine, like, I get it. It's difficult. And, like, no one's saying that, like, they can't complain or they can't be upset or annoyed about it. But the real thing is that they got to understand that being able to have, like, a grand, holding a Grand Slam tennis event is not Australia's top, top priority. So, like, they need to understand that what the work that Tennis Australia, the Australian government is putting into this just so that they can have this tournament and, like, the lead-up to keep as many people as possible safe and healthy. Yeah. But, yeah, this food drama, it was getting a bit out of hand. So, next up, we have a player, doubles player from New Zealand who is also quarantining in Australia, Artem Sitak. He spoke out on his Instagram story about the situation. He said that there was a call about a month ago with Tennis Australia where they specifically warned players of the chances of the hard quarantine in the case that a fellow flight member tested positive. So again, this is what I was saying before about the he said, she said situation because if um if some players were saying that they were not informed of the hard quarantine and he's saying that he was on the call i'm not sure maybe some players just didn't attend that call and weren't being responsible because he also said that he didn't see a lot of players which surprised him on the call so that's definitely a factor in that and he also brought up the fact that some australians could not even return home because of the strict guidelines while over a thousand foreigners as in the tennis players have entered australia to compete for money yeah, and uh, on top of Artem Sitak's words, the Australian Open authorities in Tennis Australia, they also continue to confirm the fact that the players were warned about this possibility of hard quarantine. And they're also saying that the players who are complaining, saying that they were never warned about it, um, that's just not the truth. So they basically, from what we've heard from Sitak, from the fact that there was this Zoom call or whatever, some sort of conference call that players were invited and encouraged to attend, but many didn't, and from what the Australian Open authorities are saying, you know, they did warn the players about um, the possibility of no practice and the what hard quarantine would look like. So, again, as Josephina said, he, should, he said, she said, but, I mean, in my personal opinion, I would be trusting SeaTac and the Australian Open authorities just given how tone-deaf and, like, privileged some Ignorant, of these comments from the tennis players. Selfish. Yep. <laughs> So, actually, a, f- a little funnier take on this is um, Josephina and I were... Coco Goff did an Instagram Live one day, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Josephina actually told me about it, and so we both had logged on to it. She made a comment on the Instagram Live uh, with Katie McNally. She said, we had more cases on our plane than they, Australia... She means Australia, had in months. So, we had more cases on our plane than Australia had in months, which I thought was hilarious because she's not wrong. And I don't know. I just thought that was funny. I mean, when a 16... Like, again, we're at the Gen Z podcast, okay? We're always supporting those Gen Zers, especially Coco Goff, the 16-year-old, when she when she understands the reason behind the quarantine better than the full-fledged adults that are also traveling to Australia. It's just... 
it's a little bit of a power moment for us, but also it's so, so sad for those adults. Yeah. So, obviously, this whole hard quarantine debate kind of led to even more um, of an outpour of reactions. So, of course, our main guy always has to, you know, step in and get a word in. So, Novak Djokovic, who we know is such a great, great uh, expert when it comes to public health. I mean, you don't organize something like the Adria Tour if you, you know, aren't very cognizant of public health guidelines. But... He submitted a letter of suggestions, uh, Australian media is calling it demands, uh, to Craig Tiley, who is the Australian Open director. Um, And Djokovic, so he's in the group of players in Adelaide, which we'll also get to in just a bit. He basically was trying to give some suggestions to the Australian Open of how to improve the situation of hard quarantine. So, um, and one thing to note here is that Vasek Pospisil is also one of the players in hard quarantine. And as you know, Djokovic and Pospisil started cr- trying to create the PTPA, a players union. And a lot of players and people in the tennis world were kind of saying, like, with this backlash about the hard quarantine and stuff, this is kind of the moment where a players union would do a good job of representing the players' needs. Um, so Djokovic was trying to step in, but his suggestions were just like, so bizarre. He suggested that they should move the players who are in hard quarantine into private homes with a tennis court available, decrease the number of days in isolation for these players once they were deemed non-contagious or, you know, whatever, uh, allow the players to visit their coach and improve the food conditions. I'm not even going to touch the food condition part. We've already talked about that. But Again, the Australian media and the Australian Open just, their response was, you know, again, like, the tone deafness of these players, it's kind of ridiculous. So, I mean, I would just say that I think it's great that Djokovic as, like, a player with a ton of, um, you know, power on the tour, being the world number one and stuff, is trying to step up for these people. But this is not the way to do it when you're, like, suggesting to decrease the number of days in quarantine, you know, suggest outlandish solutions, and also coming from someone who organized the Adria tour. Yeah, and I mean, this, I cannot help but remember that one time in New York City when Novak Djokovic called up Governor Cuomo. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> This reminds me of that so much. Oh, you're right. Actually, one of our episodes um, was titled dialing governor cuomo i think this was the day with the whole adrian manorino drama when like the manorino zverev match didn't start until hours later because djokovic was trying to get a hold of cuomo and let manorino play but you're actually so right so this is a repeating occurrence guys this is not an isolated event okay but we're not the only ones who have something to say about this of course you know, Djokovic's number one fan, Nick Kyrgios, had something <laughs> to say about this. And I quote, this is exactly what he had to say. Djokovic is a tool. <laughs> Just, And then he said, no matter how many Grand Slams... No, this was later, actually. He said, no matter how many Grand Slams he wins... Like, he will never be the greatest to me, simply because I've played him twice, and I'm sorry, but if you can't beat me, you're not the greatest of all time. So, <laughs> that's, like, it's not wrong whatsoever. And, I mean, Kyrgios obviously always has something to um say. 
Yeah, and I mean, say what you want about Nick Kyrgios, but this dude has some, you know, serious, uh, serious courage to say this stuff. And yeah, I, I definitely appreciate it. He's definitely not holding back. But then uh, back to, you know, the Djokovic story at hand. Djokovic did respond to some of this criticism he was getting. He released a pretty long statement. We've got a couple quotes here from it. Quote, My good intentions for my fellow competitors in Melbourne have been misconstrued as being selfish, difficult, and ungrateful. This couldn't be farther from the truth. I generally care about my fellow players. Hence, I use my position of privilege to be of service as much as I can where and when needed. I have always had a very good relationship with Craig, and I respect and appreciate all the efforts he puts into making the Australian Open a place to look forward to coming back to each year. In our email exchange, I used an opportunity to brainstorm about potential improvements that could be made to the quarantine of players in Melbourne that were in full lockdown. So again, nice that he's trying to step up for these guys, but I just don't think that, you know, when it comes to having to sacrifice public health, to improve the conditions, I don't think you can really, you know, do much more than follow that hard quarantine. Okay, but is the same person that got kicked off the ATP Player Council trying to help and organize a Grand Slam? <laughs> Just thought I would mention that. <laughs> Just thought I would mention that. Okay. Wait, what do you mean help and try to organize a Grand Slam? I mean, because all of these quarantine adjustments are... In preparation oh, 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 of got it, the got Australian it, got Open. Oh, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, so, he needs to... <laughs> who knows what the future of the PTPA looks like at this point. <laughs> so, speaking of controversy in Australia, we have some more tea, if you will. The Adelaide preferential treatment to those few top players. Not even top players, just random tennis players. So there is an, well, not random, I guess. They're not random, but it's just, it, there's no hand-picked. pattern. Hand-picked. We, we'll say hand-picked. Okay. I feel like that's a good way to put it. Okay. They're custom-made. Um, there's an exhibition tournament, January 29th. There are two sessions, two singles matches in each session, session and the players that are competing in that are Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Thiem, Yannick Sinner, Ashley Barty, Simona Halep, Naomi Osaka, and Serena Williams. And just the treatment that these players that are staying in Adelaide that are getting, this is what people are upset about because they get to have their entire team with them. Yeah, so just to clarify, while everyone else is quarantined in Melbourne, these players um, are getting to you know, stay in Adelaide and prepare for an exhibition tournament there. So not only are they getting more opportunity to play against fellow top players, but the quarantine restrictions in terms of, like, the number of people they can bring with them and stuff, it's a bit more relaxed. The housing is better. Um, You know, it's just a totally different environment than being in the Melbourne Hotel. So that's where basically a lot of this backlash is coming from in terms of why these players are getting preferential treatment. And Craig Tiley has a response to that, but it's a kind of a weird response. Yeah, he said, I get the feeling it is perceived as preferential treatment, but they're the top players in the world. My general rule as is if you're at the top of the game, Grand Slam champion, it's just the nature of the business. You're going to get a better deal. 
Hold on a second here. Is Yannick Sitter a Grand Slam champion? I don't think so. And there's and your defending champion, Sophia Kennan, wasn't invited to Adelaide. So in my opinion, they've kind of just like picked and choose chosen who the players who they think are gonna. Because again, remember this is an exhibition tournament they're holding. There's tickets to this thing. So whoever they think is gonna draw in the most fans and make the most money off of it, that's kind of what they're going with here. And it it is kind of disappointing because, you know, shouldn't they try to be keeping it as a level playing field and not, you know, giving them a leg up? I mean, the way that they pick the players too, like Djokovic, Nadal, and team top three, Ash Barty, Simona Halep, Naomi Osaka top three, but then Sinner and Serena Williams, like even if you were going by a specific like top three or top four players in the world, they didn't even do it that way. So it's very much like um, a business scheme, you know? And it's at the sake of giving these players a huge degree of preferential treatment and advantages when you have a bunch of players sticking out the hard co- the quarantine in Melbourne. Yeah, and then I feel like Tylee kind of contradicted himself in this statement because he said, I get the feeling it's perceived as preferential treatment, meaning like, um, it's not. You're just thinking of it wrong. And then if you're at the top of the game, you're going to get a better deal. Like, that's basically saying, yep, that's right. They are getting preferential treatment. So I think also if you were in his situation, I would have been more careful of what I was going to say to protect what the organization I'm working with is doing. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dominic Team said, quote, we get the same amount of practice time as the guys in Melbourne. It's just not that busy on site. It's just that we are um, fewer players here. And then also, according to John Wertheim, who's a tennis journalist, he said that the players in Adelaide were, quote-unquote, encouraged to limit social media posts about being in Adelaide because it was leading to disgruntlement from the Melbourne players. So basically, the bottom line is that there's a lot of tension going on within the players um, preparing for the Australian Open. So not only about the hard quarantine, the conditions, the what they seem to be as a seem to think as a lack of transparency other players saying that you know all this is fair and we should abide by the public health guidelines and and then there's also this whole thing about Adelaide versus Melbourne it's a lot to unpack here but um don't worry there's there's still more drama to come I mean there's also like speaking of reactions of the hard quarantine there's the Roberto Bautista Goot video so basically a video of Roberto complaining about the hard quarantine, which he is in, was leaked on the internet. He said basically that it's a prison, but with Wi-Fi. And everyone went crazy about this video because, again, it's another player complaining about the quarantine while they're really in a position of privilege. But then later, Roberto came back and clarified in a statement on Instagram saying, I want to apologize to everyone who has been offended by the video that was posted about me recently. It is a private conversation taken out of context that was unfortunately, has unfortunately been released to the media without my knowledge or consent. I mean, this makes sense because I feel everyone, everyone, including me and you, have complained about quarantine and private conversations. But if somebody took this and leaked the video, then really Roberto is the victim here. Yeah, I mean, I think all these players are probably complaining about quarantine, like, every single day, you know? 
Um, he, for, he also said stuff in his statement about how he totally respects the work that Tennis Australia is doing, public health guidelines, blah, blah, blah. So I just think that this was kind of like, you know, a private conversation, again, that was, you know, unfortunately taken out of context. But um, it seemed, from the consensus I was seeing on social media, people seemed to be forgiving him and, you know, moving on to other stuff. And th- this next story is actually one of the favorite things that I've seen from the professional tennis world in this past week, and it has to do with Victoria Azarenka. So while a bunch of players, uh, including on the WTA side, have voiced their um, disappointment with Tennis Australia's transparent lack of transparency, which they um, think is the case because they, according to them, didn't tell them about the hard quarantine, Victoria Azarenka instead took the time to share her appreciation and thanks for all the people that have been working to make the Australian Open possible. And she said, quote, I would like to ask all of us to have respect for people who work tirelessly to try to make our lives better. And then she also encouraged her fellow players to do the same thing, considering the sacrifices that have been made in order to keep the Grand Slam running. And she said, I would like for people in the community to know and understand that that we have it as our top priority to ensure the health and safety of all people. So I would encourage you to read her full statement. It's great that she was speaking out about this. And, you know, encouraging her players to kind of, in a way, like, suck it up. You know, this is what we have to do, and this is for the best. So I really appreciated that she used her platform in a good way. Unlike um, what came out of the Djokovic stuff. Yeah. And then, more news. Yay! Paula Bodosa tested positive, and she's one of the players in hard quarantine. But the thing about this is that she is the first player to test positive while actually actively in melbourne and she tested um seven days after her arrival so again she was in hard quarantine shravia yes i was just gonna say that like this goes to show you that even seven days after arrival you know several days into hard quarantine the fact that she tested positive this goes just goes to show you that like you know this this virus is yeah this is for a reason i mean if people were to take heed of Djokovic's advice, which is like, oh, just, you know, end the period of isolation for the hard quarantine early at some point. I mean, imagine if they had done that and then Paula Bedosa had, you know, tested positive, but before that she had been able to go out to practice with someone. You know what I mean? It's a very yeah, difficult yeah, situation, exactly. and these rules are in place for a reason. She said, I'm feeling unwell and have some symptoms, but I'll try to recover as soon as possible listening to the doctors. I've been taken to a health hotel to self-isolate and be monitored. The interesting thing about this is that previously, as in in the first few days of quarantine, her exact words read, At the beginning, the rule was the positive section of the plane who was with that person had to be quarantined, not the whole plane. Not fair to change the rules at the last moment and have to stay in the room with no windows and no air. I just don't... So, I, yeah. I have never seen a hotel room with no windows and no air. I feel like that's kind of impossible. They don't... Like, they're not wording it right. I've seen the videos. <laughs> the thing is covered in windows. Do they open? No. Because you're in 40 stories up high in the air. Why would the windows open? What? Yeah, I mean, tennis players have continued to, you know, supply us with drama. The last so sort of piece... Can, um, maybe they can take this time in quarantine to take some 
you know, YouTube courses on architecture and why the windows can't open at that height. We have one last hot headline here. This is not really having to do with quarantine, but something that has come up in the past few days. So Alexander Zverev used to be with Team 8, which is the management company that Roger Federer is in charge of. And Team 8 dropped Alexander Zverev as one of their clients this week. So Zverev, in his statement, said, I've decided to go back to the roots and have my family help me with my coaching, as well as Misha, who's his brother, and Sergei Bubka with my management. Like, I'm sorry, but... I've decided to go back to the roots and have my family help me. To me, that just means that, oh, no professional companies want to work with me because I have been accused of some serious domestic violence violence allegations. Also, this is, like, the I've decided part is basically, like, saying, you're fired. No, I quit. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. He's, oh, my God, he's ridiculous. So it's important to know that Team 8 over the past few years has put in a lot of effort into, you know, boosting Zverev's image, you know, pitting him like making him um out to be like the next tennis star so the fact that they dropped him is a big deal and you know this is more than what the atp did you know and also team eight is a huge part of running the labor cup and as you may remember the labor cup is where olia sharapova said one of the worst incidents happened between her and zverev and when one of the tournament officials also apparently got involved so I would just say a big hats off to Team 8 for taking this step. This is a pretty big deal. Um, and, I mean, this is coming right after David Ferrer left Zverev as his coach. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what's, what's next for Alexander Zverev. So, now that we got all that serious news stuff out of the way, we have even more tea. But this is more on the lighter side of things, so enjoy it Mm -hmm. so the thing that took over tennis twitter for the majority of this week was yulia putinseva and the mouse in her room or should i say the mice in her room so i believe she's one of the players in hard quarantine she's been really vocal on social media about how she's really not liking the situation and actually she had a guest in her room Uh, a mouse was in her room and she was apparently calling the hotel trying to get it out trying to get someone to change her room and there was a lot of difficulty in doing that obviously because of the quarantine restrictions i believe she eventually got into a second room but then there was another mouse there or i think a few mice i'm not totally sure again but that's you know that's unfortunate i would just say that uh there was, I think, some media companies were insinuating that she was feeding the mice to try to get them to come and try to, you know, be able to complain I mean, more. nobody else complained and she got it in two of her rooms, <laughs> maybe, but that's, yeah, that's definitely an unfortunate situation. I would say the second thing that took over the tennis social media world was Bernard Tomic's girlfriend, Vanessa Sierra. So I would just say the fact that Bernard Tomic is playing in the Australian Open main draw is crazy enough in 2021. But this part is even crazier. So his girlfriend, Vanessa Sierra, she's an OnlyFans model, if you didn't know already. She posted a vlog on YouTube like, I don't know, like, whatever, day in the life of Australian Open Quarantine, something like that. Naturally, she complained about the food, but um, it was all in all a very, like, odd video. Yes, we shall now enlighten you with some notable quotes. 
This is the worst part of quarantine. I don't wash my own hair. I've never washed my own hair. It's just not something I do. <laughs> and then later went on to clarify that she has hairdressers at home. Okay, before we <laughs> unpack that, let's move on to the second one. <laughs> there is only one bathroom, and I've never pooped in front of Bernard. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. It's day three. I just cannot do it in front of him. I haven't broken that barrier in the relationship yet. So what is she planning to do for these 14 days? I mean, she better not take any laxatives. <laughs> I mean, she hates the food. She doesn't want to poop. Like, this is kind of a problem for her. Well, actually, that's not a problem. Those two tie together. Like, if she's not going to eat the food, then she doesn't have a problem with the poop. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Um, So that's one story from an Australian uh, ATP player and his girlfriend. Another Australian ATP player, however, has been spending his quarantine in a very different way. Alex Devenor has been, you know, posting a lot of funny stuff on Instagram. One of his videos was, like... The um, waiting for the knock on the door Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got ready for practice, and then he was just, like, sitting in front of his door or something. It was something, like, waiting for practice. I feel like that's been every player. Like, the hashtag knock on my door has been such a huge thing, a huge thing on Instagram stories lately, because it's, like... I just I just want them to knock on my door already so I can go out and play. Yeah, and I, I, I just thought it was funny that he went through all the effort of, like, you know, dressing up for practice, getting his bag ready, all of that, and fully knowing that he wouldn't be able to leave that day and still filming the video. That was funny. But, I mean, they need something to do. Yeah, but I actually, Heather Watson posted a funny TikTok of her doing, like, a hotel room triathlon. So she, like, made a fake swim cap. She went in her bathtub and, like, did some swimming strokes. It was really funny. <laughs> but Alex Zemanor and Riley Opelka, who are actually two tennis players, we both, you know, are, um, well, I would say Zemanor we're huge fans of. Opelka were kind of slowly supportive. maybe coming on the, yeah, we're supportive of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Demonor is the one who we're, you know, huge fans of. They did an Instagram live staring contest, which is actually really funny. I think Opelka, Opelka won, and he was like, this is the closest I've come to ever beating you, like, in a match. So I thought that was funny. Like, in between, they were kind of, like, referencing, like, tennis terms, like, or more Opelka was. And then I don't know what Demon was talking about. He was like, you know, sometimes I wish I had a Red Bull sponsorship I know. I, I think he was trying to distract himself so that he wouldn't blink. But I don't know. It was. It was a funny. It was. I. I really like when players kind of do this kind of content to like engage with fans and stuff more, like Instagram Live stuff like that. Um. You know, we had the whole thing with the Muzzmoth ATP, which was amazing. I just. Re- I just really think players should you know continue to make this effort. I mean, Coco Golf, Katie McNally, they did an Instagram Live too this week, which was really fun and entertaining. So. I hope we get to see more of that. And Stefano's released a vlog, too. So That was an interesting vlog. I watched <laughs> it. I I'm not sure if I regret watching it. Still processing. Speaking of Stefano's, not only is he, you know, all up in that YouTube content and photography, he's been posting stuff on his Steve the Hawk account on Instagram. So, yeah, definitely breaking some creative barriers in that hotel room of his. Because he also released a song. It was um, 
called Lofi or No, in- it was a Lo-Fi song, Josephita. What does that mean? I thought that was the name of the song. Uh, no, the name of the song is something like Love Shake My Love something. I I don't know. I listened to it and I just immediately thought elevator music. Um, I don't know if that's mean. That's not really hate, right? Elevator music can be catchy because how can you just stand in one little moving rectangle Euler prism for so long and not enjoy the music so um. yeah I mean he's really tapping into his creativity there it's actually it's like I, I didn't mind it it was pretty good also Andre Rublev we've talked about this before this dude is not a tennis player this dude is a model he did another photo shoot for Elle magazine recently and like everyone was like this dude has is so multi-talented so Check those photos out if you haven't already. They was pretty awesome. He definitely has a knack for it. I mean, it's a it's a it's a nice uh, side hustle. I mean, and then speaking of like showing up on the media, we've had some recent like because of the recent news in the United States. You might not know this. You might not know this, but we have a new president. Um, <laughs> yeah, not a big deal at all. So, and in, like, kind of celebration or in, like, happening of that day, there were some really funny memes circulating the internet. They were called, like, the ready to serve because Kamala Harris posted a tweet after she swore in ready to serve. Just those three words, that's it. So, of course, serving, tennis, hello, so easy to make a good pun out of that. So, some of our favorites were... Um, from at Osaka TM, me after hitting two double faults in a row. Honestly, same. <laughs> Gotta admit, same. that one's relatable. Another really good one was from at Tennis Bish. Rafa, after he puts an imaginary piece of hair behind his ear, grabs his nose, and picks his wedgie. That's just too good. There's also been, as we referred in our intro skit, some of like the, the Bernie Sanders memes have been popping up in the tennis world too. So, a lot of funny co- content out there. There was also one of Biden signing some executive order, and someone captioned it, Biden has signed an executive order to... Um, evict all the mice from Yulia Putin's <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> so there's definitely some good ones circulating within the tennis world that I would highly suggest you check out. Thank you so much for joining us and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the pre-Australian Open tournaments, the ATP Cup, and the Australian Open. And of course, all this he on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the quarantine develops and the pre-Australian Open tournaments get started. And remember, my name is Josephina. And my name is Stravia. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please, tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravi's name is Harry. See you next time.